0: This Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior each week we gather together to celebrate the good gifts of God Amen? amen and you know there's nothing much more wonderful than the gift of a mother and I know we, you know, it's not on the liturgical calendar that it's Mother's Day, but I think it's very appropriate for us to remember uh, our mothers or, um, well, our, our mothers, I was going to say, our mothers were the mothers of our children. Um, but it's, it's good to remember that. There are several very good mothers here today, and many of us have reason to be thanks. Now, one of the best gifts that a mother can give her children, I do believe, is to pray for them. Everybody say, pray for them. pray for them. Sometimes we say, and we and we've talked about this many times, people will say, There's nothing I can do, so I'll pray. This is this is bad, bad, bad communication. There's nothing I can do, so I'm going to pray. As if prayer is what? It's actually less than nothing, right? We should not talk like that. We pray. We are praying people, God hears our prayers. The Bible tells us to pray and that we don't have things, we don't have them because we have not, we haven't asked, we haven't prayed. But when we pray, the Bible says we need to pray in faith, believing that we shall receive what we are asking for. That's hard to do. It's hard to do even when God answers our prayers. Why is that hard to do? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Now, Asaph, the psalmist, understood this in our call to worship. He said these words. He said, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. He, he remembers God. I think this is funny in verse 3. He remembers God and he's troubled. He's troubled because he remembers that God sometimes delays, and he, God sometimes doesn't do what we ask him for. He said, I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled that I can't not speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times, a call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart, and my spirit made a diligent search. And what his spirit began to diligently search is that I've prayed for a lot of things and I never got them. <laughs> That's kind of, sometimes we can do that. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean, gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? How many of you have ever prayed and wondered if you're just wasting your time? You're not. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up all of his tender mercies? This is what Asaph is singing. And I said this, this is my infirmity. Everybody say, this is my infirmity. This is my infirmity. He realized that this was a, a sickness of his, that he would think this way about God. He said, what I will do is I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also on all of thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary who is so great. Who is it great? It's our God. Thou art the God that does wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thy arm redeemed thy people and the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw thee, O God, the water saw thee, and they were afraid, and the depths were also troubled. The clouds poured out water, and skies sent out a sound, and arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in heaven, and the lightnings lightened the world, and earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path is in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron." We need to remember, yeah, the devil wants us to remember all the things that we prayed for that we didn't seem to get an answer on. But he said, that's not what I'm going to be thinking about today in my prayer. I'm going to remember what God has done, and I'm going to have hope that he's leading me like he led Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for calling us once again into your presence with your people. Lord, we love these people. Lord, these are brothers and sisters, are indeed the answers to our prayers. You said that if we would give up houses and land and brothers and sisters and mothers, that you would give us a hundredfold mothers and brothers and sisters and houses and lands in this life. And the people in this room for me indeed are the answer to that. Lord, we come before you knowing we don't deserve to be in your presence, knowing we have certainly not earned the right to be here, but understanding that by your mercy you have called us these mercies that are never ever exhausted for they are new every morning. Oh God, speak to us today and change us and make us more... Like you, Lord, feed us from heaven and change us, make us fit for heaven. In Christ's name we pray, and all the church said amen. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Remain standing for just a moment as I read for you my... Text for today, my message is called Faith for Prayer. And we are continuing in our journey through the book of Psalms. We're in Psalm chapter 9. I'm going to be talking about verses 1 through 10. Faith for Prayer. To the chief musician upon Muthleben, a psalm of David. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart, and I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee, and I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. When my enemies are turned back, they shall fall and shall perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause, thou thou satest in the throne, judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen, thou hast destroyed the wicked, thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end, and thou hast destroyed cities, and their memorial is perished with them. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment, and he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, that they may know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Let us pray. Lord God, in these next few minutes, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to your people through me. Lord, as David has written these words, as a prayer and a supplication to you, may our prayer go up before you, Lord, that we would be filled with faith, faith in who you are, faith in what you have done, faith in what you are doing, and faith in what you will do. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, why do we forget? Because we don't remember. I actually wrote down in my sermon that you would know the answer to that question. And Andrea, you're kind of new, so you might want to learn the answer to this question. Why do we forget? Say, because we don't remember. We do not deliberately take time to remember what God has done, and as a result, we forget. God gave the feasts. God gave the pilgrimage feasts in particular. He gave the stones of remembrance of the crossing of uh, the Jordan River when they went into Canaan land after 40 years in the wilderness. God wants us to take the time to remember. Why do we need help remembering, Luke? because we're forgetful. Now, as, I was, as we were talking a little bit earlier about this, I, I was reminded one time uh, I was reading this thing that C.S. Lewis wrote about the reason why, you know one of the things that makes us so messed up is because people think it's because we love pleasure too much. And C.S. Lewis says, no, it's because we don't love it enough. And I like that answer. He said, we're content with things that really aren't much pleasure and we give up the things that are of great pleasure. He compares it to the child who wants to play in his backyard making mud cakes when they could have a beautiful lunch on the beach at Brighton, you know. He said they, don't even, they can't even conceive of the beach and, and so they're content in their backyard. In the same sense, to say that we are uh, forgetful, it reminds me that really I think it's because we have too good of a memory. We remember all the things that are bad that happened to us because there's a lot of those, right? But we don't remember what God has done. We can remember if anyone's ever done anything bad to you, you generally remember that, right? If anyone's let you down or didn't show up or or didn't call, or didn't remember. You can remember that, but how many of you have total recall when it comes to all the good and kind and nice things? If you guys ever hear me complain about not being appreciated or loved or remembered as a pastor, you can just look me right in the eye and say, "You're, you're a lying heathen, okay? I have been loved, and I've been appreciated, and I have seen the hand of God reward me, For the little I have done, reward me so much so beyond uh, what I deserve. And and as a congregation, your kindness and appreciation to me is somewhat overwhelming. I just pray I don't forget that. In the midst of fear, fear makes us what? Fear makes us, you guys remember I preached about this? Fear makes us forget, right? They were in the boat. Jesus had told them we were going to the other side, right? And they forgot that because if they had remembered that, they wouldn't go down and go, What? what, what, you know, we're not going to make it. Fear makes us forget. In the midst of adversity, we are often unable to remember the many things that God has done. This is a severe memory problem, a very, very severe one. It seems that somehow, even though God is always good to us, And he often shows his invisible hand in our lives. We need to have faith. When it's our time to have faith, we forget. We forget about the last time. I know about this. Maybe you guys don't have as bad a problem about this as I do, but I have a real problem with this. I find myself not expecting God to do things that he is going to do. And he does them in spite of my... Faithlessness. It's kind of amazing. Now, for myself, I find it particularly strange. God seems to be especially good to me. He always shows me his great care. He answers my prayers. Sometimes, even before I pray, God will give me the answers to my prayers. It's happened to me so many times that when it happens now, I just kind of laugh. I get down on my knees, and before I even say anything, God answers my prayers. I whisper something under my breath to God. I, I I think what is wrong with you? Why don't you pray more? This is something that I ask myself because when I do pray, God answers my prayers, but still I don't pray. Now this leads me to believe that I have a serious problem. It makes me think that maybe some of you do too. A, A problem of biblical proportion. You, you've heard him say, you know, this is a disaster of biblical... I think we have a problem of biblical proportion. When I read about God's word and I, I read about these people that saw so many wonderful and amazing things, right? All the people in Jerusalem when Jesus was there, all the people in Samaria and in, around Galilee that saw the things Jesus did, they forgot those things. All the things the children of Israel saw over and over and over again. When they came against the next thing, what did they do? They forgot about the they forgot about the last thing. So the older I get, the less puzzled I get about those people and the more puzzled I get about myself. So now how many of you are familiar with Pavlov's dog? And I think I brought this up before in a sermon, but I decided I would look it up and be a little bit more educated when I talked about it this time. Now in the, in the 1800s, you, are you kids ready for a little science lesson, any kids? Are there kids here that study science at home? Any of you guys? There was a guy named Ivan, Ivan Petrovich Pavlov. He was such a talented physiologist that he won the Nobel Prize in 1904. In fact, he was the first Russian to do so. He was most well known for his, classical, his work in classical conditioning, and he really started this work way before he was an important guy. He started it when he was a little kid. He was very curious if you have a child who's curious, if you have a child who takes things apart, now I'm not advocating this, children, don't do this. But if you have a child that takes things apart in your house, and you have a child that's curious, you should nurture that. Curiosity is a great gift from God because there are a lot of people who walk around just doing nothing, and then there are people that are curious, and curious people end up being the people that figure things out. But every time that Pavlov fed his dog, he noticed that, the dog would slobber. you guys ever, anybody have a dog and the dog kind of slobbers, you know? And so when he became a scientist, he, he thought, you know, I'm going to, there's got to be something to this. Like, the dog hasn't eaten any food yet, but he's about to. And maybe it's the smell or maybe it's the whatever. I don't know what it is. But, but, so what he did is he conducted an experiment that every time he fed his dog, before he fed his dog, he'd go, bing, and he would ring a bell and then he would give the dog his food. And so over time, what happened is the dog would, Uh, you know begin salivating not when he saw the food but when he heard what he began to hear the ringing of the bell and eventually Pavlov found that he could not feed the dog at all and just ring the bell and never give the dog food and the dog would just salivate all over the place as though he had already gotten food now you would think that when we pray and God answers our prayers, and when we pray and God answers our prayers, you would think that what would happen inside of us is that we would do what? What would we do more of? We do more praying, but we don't. I don't know what it is. I was talking to someone about this. I think maybe it's because I was as a kid, I was always worried about my dad. I was I never asked my dad for anything. Hardly ever. Because I always felt bad for my dad. Like, like. Does he need one more burden, you know? I'll probably be all right. I don't need anything. That was kind of my attitude. And I've kind of carried that attitude on with God. It's like I feel like I'm bothering God. Everybody say, you cannot bother God with prayer. In fact, God, Jesus gives us this parable about this woman who goes to this judge and says, hear my case, hear my case, hear my case. And the judge keeps telling her to go away, right? Right? But she doesn't go away. She keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. There's a lot of examples in the Bible. There's a guy by the name of Bartimaeus and he's just outside of Jericho and and he's blind and he calls to the Lord, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And and Jesus apparently wasn't hearing him. And so the, the disciples, you need to be quiet, leave him alone, Jesus is on his way. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to die. He's busy. He's on his way to go see his buddy Lazarus and Bethany. Leave him alone. It says, but he cried the louder. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And eventually what happened, guys? Got Jesus' attention and Jesus healed him. There was a woman who heard that Jesus was coming through an area and she had a disease. And this disease had plagued her whole life. And she uh, had spent all her money. But yet she thought, she saw all the crowd and she thought, there's no possible way that I can get to him, but if I could just get to the, and just touch the hem of his garment, I don't need to talk to him, I don't need him to lay hands on me, I don't need him to anoint me with oil, but if I could just touch the hem of, and what does she do? She presses her way through the crowd and she touches the hem of his garment, and what happens Right there's another instance in scripture, and I remember talking about this. Remember this, guys, with the with the uh, the Anglican uh, priest that we met. There's all these people where Jesus is teaching, and these these one people, this 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 one guy, and these buddies that were with him want to get him to Jesus, and they can't because there's just too many people that are in this house. Do you remember what they do? These guys go up on the roof. They cut a hole in someone else's roof. Now, this would be a problem, right? If I'm ever at home and you want to get to me, do not cut a hole in my roof. But that's what they did. And nobody makes mention of the fact that this was a bad thing, but he did. He cut a hole in the roof, and they lowered him down. I mean, that was really going the extra mile, right? How was that rewarded? You should, you should just be patient and stay outside. Or were they like, Pfft take up your bed, walk, right? And so God shows us over and over that we are to be persistent in prayer, but we can't even get ourselves to ask one time. We almost feel that if we ask one time and it doesn't come, then somehow God doesn't want us to have it. I think that we've become too Calvinistic. I really do. I really think I have. I I'm, I, I. really think that I need to have a little something change here the apostle paul even said that he had this affliction that he knows that god sent him but he he mentioned how many times he prayed he prayed three times you know what it tells me though god told him to quit praying about it that he gave him this affliction for him but it tells me that if he tells him this on prayer number three then, then the apostle Paul prayed about things more than one time, but I think sometimes we can't even get ourselves to pray one time. Guys you remember Daniel? I hadn't planned on mentioning, none of this is written in my sermon, but I'm thinking about it right now. Daniel prayed, and, and you remember when the angel appears to Daniel and said, Thank you for persevering? He had prayed, was it 21 days? Every single day? For this same thing? And and Hey, thank you for persevering in prayer, Daniel. I'm here now. I don't exactly understand this, but there is this thing in the Bible that talks about our faith. And as our our good brother, the Anglican priest was, I don't remember his name, was it John that was talking to us about this? That that there is perseverance is the manifestation of true faith. You will work at it. You will cut a hole in a roof if you have to. you'll you'll do what you need to do to get there. So even as God, though, has continually cared for me, consistently answered my prayers, I still find myself not expecting God sometimes to answer my prayers. Here in Psalm 9, David helps us deal with this problem because I think... I think some of us have this problem. Do you, maybe some of you have this problem? Well, you know, I mean, there's people worse off than me. And I mean, I probably shouldn't ask. I mean, come on, do it if you do this. I do it. Like, like, come on. I mean, there's people with real needs, but we treat God like he's a person like us, that he's, that he has limits. Pastor Nang's always laughing at me for doing this. He thinks it's the funniest thing. Pastor Nang is very amused by me. I'm his buddy and he likes me and he respects me, but he finds me very amusing. Pastor Ma. Why do you worry so much? I know that you do. I see you worry. You work so hard. You need to relax, you need to understand we pray to the God who has all things. God does not answer faithless prayers, James tells us in James chapter 1. Let not that man think he shall receive anything from God. Why is it always when we get desperate, we really get serious with our prayers? We need to pray prayers that expect God to show up. Prayers that anticipate God doing what we ask. That is what a faith-filled prayer is. Here in Psalm 9, David is evidently in some kind of need. He's facing something difficult that he knows he needs God's help from. The words of Psalm 9, the prayer he offers to God in the song he gave the church, gives us a way to overcome our brokenness and gives us a way to build our faith. So I wrote these questions down. Do you ever feel faithless? Everybody nod, raise your hand, whatever you want. Have you ever felt like God isn't listening, like praying might be a waste of time? Have you ever been tempted to think that God is not watching, or if He is watching, that He doesn't care? That's what the psalmist in Psalm 77 are called to worship. That's what he was doing. He realized he was troubled, and he thought God wasn't going to answer. Is He ever going to show up? This is what he was thinking, but then he remembered this is not good. This is not how we should think. I think it's safe to say that we've all had those moments, those Moments, though, are sinful moments. We need to know this. It's the unbelieving that will have their part in the lake of fire. These moments are not based in the reality of the truth that God has given us in His Word. God cares for us. He cares about the big things in our life, and He cares about the small. I remember Luke telling the story. I mentioned it up here in the huddle about wanting a pair of boots, and he couldn't afford them. And the very exact boots showed up at the thrift store. They were fantastic. I mean, Luke, where are those boots today? They're at your house. If you ever stop wearing those boots, Luke, you need to put that that boot on a shelf. And you you need to paint on that boot. I'm serious. You need to say... I don't know. Get creative. Do your artist thing. You know, I don't want to forget that God cares about my feet. I don't want to forget that God cares about those little things. I remember every time I look at the stove in my living room, my wife and I, we had this stove and then we had an old beat up stove. And, and, you know, I thought, you know, would it be too much to ask if we could see the fire in the stove? Wouldn't it be great if I had that? And, And I started looking at stoves and I started seeing how expensive they were. And I'm like, this is so discouraging. And then I remember telling my wife, no, you know what, we're not going to be discouraged. We're going to look up exactly what kind of stove we want, and we're going to ask God to give it to us. And the stove we wanted, you could buy at Lehman's for $5,000. Isn't that great? <laughs> Do you remember this, honey? Maybe you remember it different. I don't know, but I know I prayed for that stove. I remember looking up. It was a Vermont Castings Defiant. I don't know. Maybe I looked at a different model, but it, it was very much like this. I'm afraid to look over this. my wife told me I'm, I'm not doing right. But I do remember this happening. We went to a yard sale, and it, and it was in the house, but it was not for sale, Andy. And so we're walking around, and they're like, we're selling everything. I said, they said, we're selling the windows, we're selling the trim, we're selling the whole house. A bulldozer's about to come and bulldoze the entire house down. And I said, well, what about that stove? Oh, we might sell that stove, sure. Make an offer, I said, well... I just happened to look it up and I know what it costs. And so, you know, you never know. And of course, that stove's sitting in my living room today. And the deck and the paving stones, all these other things I got for free. I got more than the stove. And then I got all these attachments to the stove. God cares about my stove. That's it. I'm going to write on the stove. God cares about my stove. <laughs> It's got a little crack in it. You know, it's bothering me. You know, God healed the crack in my stove. You know, I don't know. God is active in everything in your life and he has brought these things into our lives to make us more like him and to sanctify us. Now, one way to kick against our sinful nature is to remember what God has done, to deliberately recall his faithfulness throughout our lives. So let's walk through these verses in Psalm 9 and see how David leads us here. To the chief musician upon Muth Laban, a Psalm of David. Now, in the prelude to the song, we have a new word. You know how we've gotten these new words? This is another one. And I did a lot of research into this, and it can mean a whole lot of different things, uh, but I'm going to just go with Calvin on this one. Muth Laban could mean the death of a guy named Laban. It could mean the death of a son. It could have been the the death of Goliath or some fictitional character or whatever. There's all kinds of theories about it. But after reading the psalm, I get no indication whatsoever that that's what it's about. But I believe it must have been a tune. It must have been a tune. And many commentators agree with this. Calvin does in particular. And this may mean that we have lost part of the meaning of the psalm because we really don't even know the tune. Perhaps one day we'll gain this. You know, that is something we could do. We could one day find out what what Laban is. And then we might understand the psalm a little bit better. Now, secondly, here in the prelude, we see that this is not just a song, but it's a song of King David. David, a man after God's own heart, he begins the song by saying this. He said, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. Now, what a great beginning. And you know, when someone like David says that, it means something else, right? If anybody else would say, I'm going to praise the Lord with my whole heart, that would be one thing. But when David says it, we know what that means, right? It means he's going to throw off his priestly garments and he's going to dance and he's going to jump. And if the whole world makes fun of him and they laugh at him, he said, well, you think I've been vile? I'm about to be even more. When when a guy like David says, I'm going to praise the Lord with my whole heart. And I bet you every time the children of Israel sang this song, I bet you they remembered that too. They didn't just remember, oh, I'm going to praise the Lord with my whole heart. They were like, (laughs) like... Like David did. I will praise thee, O Lord. Note all the all capital L-O-R-D Jehovah. I will praise thee, Jehovah, with my whole heart. No doubt the images of the dancing king leapt to the minds of those that were singing, and we should let them leap into ours as well. I will show forth all of thy marvelous works. This is this is this is what we gotta do. We gotta like. Like, if you're low, if you're down, if you're faithless, it's time to get out. We ought to have a memory book. We ought to have a book in our house that we get out. All right, come on, teen. We're feeling faithless, and we believe in God's not going to answer any prayers. We can't even work up ourselves into a faithless prayer. Let's get out the book, okay? And you go get the book, and you open it up, and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Flip it over, honey. Flip it over. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Wow, okay, seriously. You're on page three of your 80-page book of remembrance, and you're like, that's it! All right, God, I'm ready! Lord, we have this need in our life, and in the past, you've done this, and you've done this, and you've done this, and I believe you're going to do it again. Wouldn't that be awesome to have something like that in your house to help you out? I will be glad and rejoice. I will sing praise to thy name, O Most High. David, like no other mortal man, knew how to lift up the name of the Lord in praise. Though he may have found himself worried and distressed, filled with fret and even despair, he commanded himself, I will. Everybody say, I will. will. He said, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praises to thy name, O Most High. There are many times in the Psalms, in fact, if you remember the name for praise, there is a There is a a word for praise that there's one of them that says, I'm going to do it even when it doesn't appear there's any reason to do it. Right? Rain is a-coming. Rain is a-coming. Right? The prophet looks up and he sees a cloud the size of a man's hand and he says, oh, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. All he saw was... You don't get rain from the cloud the size of a man's hand. I will be glad. I will rejoice. I will sing praises to the name. In verse 3, he continues his song as he fights against his temptation to despair. He moves beyond his praise to declare against the seeming reality staring at him in the darkness and he prophesies against it. It may look very bad for me right now. Things may seem to be one way, but by faith, I believe things are going to turn around. He begins to proclaim in faith what God is going to do even though he hasn't done it yet. When mine enemies turn back, they shall fall. Right? Doesn't that sound like Psalm 27, right? When my enemies come upon my flesh, they're going to stumble. They're going to fall. God's going to smite them. He's going to crush them. He's going to kick them. He's going to knock them down. He's going to do what he does. Rawr! Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm fading into sh- the, the, the shepherds. I'm, I know it's, it's, it's a month before I go to the shepherds' conference and scream at the guys, but I'm going to scream at you today. Rawr! Some of you may have heard Pastor Nang's latest triumph of faith. That makes a great example for what's being said. Did how many of you heard his story about the storm? You guys hear this? If you haven't heard it, I'm going to tell it to you. So just a few days before Pastor Nang was scheduled to come to America to visit uh, churches and everything here and us, he gets it in his heart and his mind to go on an evangelistic trip. Now I'll tell you, as as the guy who's raising money and looking out for things. And, and, you know, I never thought I would be that guy. The, The guy who's on the other end, the guy who's the faithless number cruncher. That's, I mean, how do I get to play this role in life? I don't really know if we can do this evangelistic trip past Mang, you know. And he's like, Oh, by faith, I will go then anyway. Oh, okay, you know. And I'm like, No, 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 come on. We can't be spending money, you know. And, and I mean, this is this world, this is very funny that God puts me in this world. He gives me a guy like me, you know, and makes me be Andy Cusel for the guy. I mean, come on. I'm like, you just can't do this. This isn't right. He's like, oh, by faith, we will do it. I'm like, oh, by faith. Like, you're, you're going to go to Rakhine and you're not going to make it back to America. You've got your visa and your ticket and you got your passport fixed and it's all set and you just leave in a few days. Please, you really don't need... Oh, I pray about it. I really think God is sending me. I'm like... So he goes and he, he goes there and, uh, you know, I only give him, I, I'm like stingy with him. I give him 500 bucks, you know, to go buy some food. He said, we got to feed these people. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll give you 500 bucks. And Paul, you know, I keep giving him things and doing things. I don't tell Paul anything. I'm sorry. We got to work that. We got to work it out. <laughs> Paul keeps track of all the money. and I, I don't even know what's going on right now. So he goes and he buys chickens and pigs and whatever, and he's getting it all set up because they're going to feed these people, and he's like, we're going to teach them for three days, and we're going to feed him. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. You really need to get home. And, but he's like, oh, this is what I do. And I'm thinking, maybe he's just one. You know, in my mind, I don't even know what I'm thinking, but come on, Pastor Nang. So he goes, and about the time he comes... A cyclone forms in the Indian Ocean called Cyclone Fanny, and it is what they call, the meteorologists call, a monster cyclone. This is not what it's called, like, you know, in my book describing it. It's what the meteorologist said. This is a monster cyclone. It's the largest cyclone seen in the Indian Ocean in 20 years, and it's bearing down on them. And Pastor Bang, before it's time to teach, someone gets up with a megaphone and they go, flee for your lives. <laughs> The cyclone is coming your direction. Seek cover and you will die if you do not. Well, Pastor Ning is like, Well, God just sent me here to preach. So he goes, he goes, You need to stay right here. He goes, God has the power to stop the cyclone and move it another direction or the power to sustain us in this church. Don't leave. If you stay with me, you're going to be all right. That's what well, Pastor Ning tells him. And some of them go, nice knowing you. And they leave. <laughs> <laughs> so the ones that are still there, they're looking a little nervous. And he goes, he goes, he said, he said, Pastor Mark, I begin to remember what God did one time, long time ago. And see, he said, I was in uh, the mountains and we were on our way to preach at a village. I had told these people I was coming and we are about six, maybe seven mile into our journey. And we see black clouds appearing And they're coming, and we look in our packs to see if we brought our umbrellas, and we got no umbrellas. And they're like, you know, it's a scary-looking storm. We have no umbrellas, and we've got about six or seven more miles to go. What should we do? Pastor Dink says, well, we told them we were coming, and we told them we were going to preach, and we don't want them to think we're liars. Even if we get soaking wet, we're still going to go. And so they prayed and asked God to be with them. He said, Pastor Mark, most amazing thing happened. He goes, the rain began to rain and a wall of rain came. Now, how many of you ever been outside when this happened? You ever seen this? This has happened to me many times. Heath, you're waving your hand. You see this raining and the rain will come and it stops, right? And I've seen this before, so I know this happened. If I hadn't seen this, I would think he was making it up, right? Because that's just how faithless I can be sometimes. So he said, so the rain came and the rain stopped. And he goes, but then the rain started coming from behind and it stopped behind it. And he says, and as we walked on our trip, he said, the rain moved in front of us, and the rain moved behind us. And he said, and we were in the middle of two rains the whole time. He goes, we were walking. He goes, rain was raining behind me, and rain was raining in front of me. And he goes, and all the way to the village, it rained like that. And he goes, and we get there to teach where we're going to teach, and the people look at us, and they said, you're completely dry. Is it not raining? And Pastor Diggs says, oh, yeah, it's raining. And he tells them what happens. Well, how do you think they received his message? So here these guys are in Rakhine, and they're, they're, you know, they're hearing the, the sirens, and the people are yelling on megaphones, and Pastor Ning. he's having to remind them and himself, because I'm telling you, Pastor Nang is not a guy who's just impervious to worry and fear. He said, the more he said, the more I remember what God did, the more confident I got. And I said, Stay with me. And he said, and the people said, If Pastor Nang's staying, we're staying, but if he leaves, we're leaving with him. <laughs> I wrote this down and so I gotta find out where I am. So, 17 people came to the Lord. Three entire families were baptized. Where do you think Pastor Dane should have been on that day? And he made it. I think he sent a picture from Cutter, right, on his way over here. And he's been here. Now, may God be praised for what he has done. Everybody say what he has done. What He is doing. doing. And what He will do. Past, present, and future. You know, sometimes we can find it easier to believe what God has done. Whether it's in our lives or from the Bible. Or maybe what might happen in the future. But it's kind of hard to believe He's going to do it right now. Isn't that kind of hard? You know, one day, Jesus is going to step down to the Mount of Olives and it's going to crack open. You know, we're like, yeah, that's going to happen! We look back and we're like, you know, the waters parted and they crossed on dry land. Yeah, they did that. And then I look at Stephen and go, and you know what he's gonna do right now? And you're like, well, I don't really know what he's gonna do right now. I mean, I believe he's gonna, and I believe he did, but I don't know about right now. Be encouraged today by what God has done, have faith that he will never leave us or forsake us, and know that he goes before us as we walk with him. And God is with us right now. He's not just going to be, and he hasn't just has been. Here's what David does. Verse 4. Here's how he begins to inoculate himself against faithlessness, Steve. He said, For thou hast, thou hast maintained my right. Thou saddest in the throne, judging right. You are good, Lord. You have always been good. This is a good time, Stephen. This is a good place to get, right? You gotta remind us: God's been good to me. He's answered my prayer. This is what he has done. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever. And you can almost feel it sort of welling up inside of you when you do this. You always deal rightly with the wicked. You rebuke them. You destroy them. You blot out their name. They're like the chaff. Right? Isn't that what he does in Psalm 1? I want to be this blessed man. What are they like? The blessed man's like this. But the chaff, the ungodly are like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. This is what God's going to do to the ungodly, and this is what God's going to do. With me. Verse 6, O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. Thou hast destroyed cities and their memorial is perished with them. You'll see he goes from hast and he goes to it an is and then he goes to a will be. He's seeing God and he's having faith in what God has done, what he is doing and what he will do. David even addresses his enemy in the prayer as if he's there listening to him. Has any of you ever done this? You ever, you ever found almost like the devil's trying to make you not believe or he's giving you a hard time and you just want to go, I'm going to tell you right now, devil, you ain't going to get me today. Anybody ever? I, I've done it. You, you may say, well, you do it, pastor, because you're crazy. Well, I know what it's like to go, no, 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 not today. No, you're not going to destroy this in my life. No, you're not going to have me. No, no, no. That's what David does. David says, let me tell you, enemy, oh, enemy you're going to come to perpetual end you've destroyed cities yeah yeah you've done a lot but you're not going to get me today verse 7 but lord the lord shall they say shall Shall. See, he has the has and then he has the is and now he has the shall see how he's the just like god is the same yesterday today and forever he's the alpha omega he which is which was and which is to come sometimes we got to get the is that's what faith is when you believe god is that's that's what faith is right Isn't that what it says? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. It's easy to believe that he was. It's easy to believe that he will be, but the faith is believing that he he is. The Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. See all this future shall stuff here? He shall judge the world on righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people. The Lord will be a refuge to the oppressed. David is, David is remembering the past and he's declaring the future. He's prophesying about it and it's how he's getting his faith right now for his prayer. That, thou, that they may know that thy name will, and they will put their trust in thee for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Faith for today comes when we remember yesterday and we, we believe in tomorrow. That's how you get faith for today. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to God must believe that He is. And that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. May we be people of faith who pray to God. And who when we find ourselves faithless, we remind ourselves of how faithful He has been. And how faithful we believe He will be. And begin trusting what God is going to do right now. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord, this sinful condition that we possess that separates us from one another and you, Lord, separates us from our memories of your goodness. Lord, I don't know what we can do. I don't know what other than remember this today. Lord, it makes me just want to silence the devil by remembering constantly, finding a way to always have it before our faces, what you have done. Lord, we certainly believe about what you are going to do, Lord, but we have so much trouble in today. Oh, make us people of faith. Help us to believe your word. Give us true faith. And Lord, when we have that faith, Lord, may we be people of prayer. Lord, there are so many needs, and if we stare at all of them, we can feel very, very discouraged. Or we can see the great opportunity. Lord, when the children of Israel stood against the Red Sea, it seemed very hopeless, but they didn't realize they were gonna see one of the most amazing things that anybody ever saw. They saw their enemies approaching, They saw how angry they were. They saw their destruction. They prophesied against themselves and they were false prophets. And Lord, in the midst of that, they were having trouble in that moment believing you. And so Moses did it for them. He stretched out his hand and as they walked across on dry land, that moved in from being something that could be to something that was. And forever they had it to remember all of those that walked through. And Lord God, you have helped us through the fire and through the waters, Lord. And may we be people that remember that. And what we do with the faith that comes from those memories, may we be people who pray. In Christ's name, amen.